Lounging in the living room in Long John's More distant than Victoria to St. John's Trying to use a record to repair my heart I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to start again My friend, you're leaving me high can and dry I'm out of your head and I'm losing my mind Listening to me all right, everybody, welcome into episode 27 of Justified Pursuit. Cable Smith here, as always, alongside my co-host Chisholm Cook. Counselor, how are you? we got an exciting uh, guest here today, but how are you doing, man? Doing all right. Uh, we're getting rain, which we need pretty badly, Yeah. Uh, so that's a good thing. Um, you know, as far as current events and what's going on in the world, it's no crazier today than it was a week ago, or no more sane today than it was a week ago. Right. Uh, really excited to be talking to Michael. We were just talking yeah. offline, and I was telling him how I've been a fan of his since I saw that first uh, viral Instagram post that went out there. I think it was Instagram where uh, he was cutting, butchering a, a hindquarter in the window of his restaurant uh, yeah. just because there were people outside protesting the fact that he was doing it. And yeah. I thought that was awesome. Well, so, hey, you, you brought him up. You do the introduction. I usually do the intros, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean, you've talked to him a few times, but we've got Michael Hunter on, uh, a.k.a. the Hunter Chef. Yeah. Pretty sweet uh, uh, little synchronicity that your last name is Hunter, man. <laughs> I got lucky. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess, you know, Michael runs a restaurant up in Ontario province, right? What? It, yep. What's What's... Is it... We're, we're in Toronto. So yeah, Toronto, we're okay, Toronto yeah. Ontario, Canada. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Called the antler, I believe. Right. And uh, yeah. you guys specialize in wild game. Is that like so, yeah, a big we're part all, of the menu? Um, yeah. A big, a big part of our, our ethos is just, we want to celebrate wild food and, you know, just real awesome. food, whether that's, you know, wild salmon or, you know, ethically caught uh, swordfish, um, you know, wild mushrooms. Uh, but, you know, our laws, much like yours, uh, we have to sell farmed game. So I can't right. go shoot something and, and drag it in. Um, so we support, there's a lot of local farmers that we buy our, our game animals from. Um, yep. So that's, that's our theme. Cool. Yeah. If I make it up that way, I will definitely be stopping in. But as I mentioned, I've got your cookbook. Go ahead. What's the? I, I have it, but I don't know the name off the top of my head. What's the name of the <laughs> it's, cookbook? Uh, it's titled The Hunter Chef Cookbook. Hunter Chef yeah. Cookbook. That's pretty awesome. simple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So he, he put this video. He had some vegan uh, demonstrators outside of his facility. Uh, and so <laughs> rather than cow to the mob, uh, Michael took a hindquarter uh, from, I guess it looked like some venison deer. or deer. Yeah, deer. Yeah. And butchered it at the window on a table uh for everyone to see and uh went viral i think you ended up on rogan right on the joe rogan yeah. experience from it and cables had him on the lone star door show at least once or maybe twice and yeah. um yeah now you're sort of a known thing and, and rightfully so and representing the hunting community uh of uh, you know canada in general i would think in a uh, real and um authentic way and uh man i just appreciate the hell out of it and we're glad to have you on to tell us a little bit about the crazy stuff going on in your province well thank so you for having I, me man a, i really appreciate it i have a question for you michael do you yeah. ever regret the i mean it was clearly an antagonistic uh move which yeah i mean they're provoking you right do you yeah. ever regret that i mean personally i don't think i would but i wonder if you do um at the, in the very beginning you know i thought i screwed us because uh it didn't go viral uh for about three days so uh -huh. within that three-day period um the video was actually taken by the vegan demonstrator so it went on their sites first so it was 
it was going around the world and all these vegan, you know, pro vegan chat, you know, rooms and things like that. And we were just getting hammered uh, online. They were attacking our ratings on Google, Facebook, you know, telling us, you know, telling everyone that we're a terrible restaurant and stuff like that. So in the very beginning, I kind of thought, you know, that was dumb. Um, and then, uh, when then the, the tide local, shifted, then the tide shifted and we just had this wave of support. Um, you know, it's one of those things that you don't ever plan on. You know, you hear these stories and people going viral. And then, uh, when you experience it yourself, it's a lot different. Uh, and it's not fun. You know, I, uh, I don't necessarily love being in the spotlight. I'm not that kind of guy. Um, so it was, uh, it was difficult, especially when they're, you know, they're attacking your family, they're attacking you personally, they're attacking your business, trying to actively shut you down. It was, uh, it was a lot of stress and, and not a lot of fun, you know, um, yeah. uh, we had a lot of interaction with the police that were, you know, on our side, just, you know, trying to keep the peace. Um, and they were really sympathetic to us because we're just in, like any other business just trying to make, um, make a living trying to make exactly yeah. just trying yeah. to make a living. And, and, you know, we were across the street from a butcher shop and a fishmonger and there's restaurants all along our strip. Um, you know, and they just targeted us because of, you know, my last name and because of what I support, um, you know, they came after us. They thought we'd be an easy target and, yeah. um, yeah, that backfired real bad. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I saw, I think I saw on your social media stuff, you went, have you been turkey hunting? What are you yeah, doing so this I, spring? uh, I, I, you know, got really, uh, you know, fortunate with the in, book. Was that in Canada? Um, no, no. So yeah. our turkey season opens on Sunday. So I, um, so I thought the border was closed. That's where I was going with this. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's really, so, uh, United States is letting Canadians in, uh, we just Canada is not letting you. Americans in. Yeah. You bastards. Yeah, I know. Uh, and my, my dad and I have a lot of family in the States. Um, they recently moved from California to Arizona. Um, so they can't come here, which is really sad. Um, yeah. but, um, yeah, so I was in Nashville, uh, turkey hunting with, um, uh, Danielle Pruitt with Meat Eater huh. and, uh, Ryan O'Callaghan. Um, they're filming a new series, uh, Ocal, for YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Right so, uh, yeah, it was really great experience. I had a lot of fun. I, I kind of got lucky and shot a, a young Tom slash super Jake on the first day, uh, <laughs> which was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good, man. Like little tiny nub spurs and like a three and a half inch beard. And, uh, yeah. you know, weight, it, it was probably in their 15, 16 pound kind of, kind of category. It was, you know, nice bird, real tender. Uh -huh. um, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> That's you know, cool. I, uh, I'm not gonna, uh, you know, when we're only there for a couple of days, I'm not going to let a young Tom walk by. So, right. Right. Yeah. I can't, it's not like yeah, doing, we're, we're doing really well turkey population so a yeah. tom a jake here and there is not going to uh, no yeah, yeah. Uh, i've had three uh, bear hunts canceled in canada yeah uh the same bear hunt just canceled three times you know right. it's supposed to be fall yeah uh, then it was no it was supposed to be spring then we had yeah. covid couldn't go then right. it was supposed to be fall couldn't go now we're, here yeah. we are a year later springtime yeah. still can't get to uh british columbia so yeah, uh, it's it's really crazy. I went to Africa in February. Can't freaking go to Canada. It's I know weird. it's it's the worst. And we're and we're accepting like up until yesterday, the government was accepting flights from uh, Brazil and India, which are two of the two hot spots in the world right now with with severe variants and the UK. <laughs> UK. Um, and you know, my province where I lived, I can't even fully operate my business. We can we're only open for takeout. They won't let us serve customers in any capacity. How long has um, that been going on? Uh, pretty much the entire, you know, s restrictions in some form for the entire uh, COVID duration. So I think it's coming up on uh, 15 months now. 
Um, over the gracious. summer, <clears throat> we were allowed to do outdoor dining on the patio, uh, which we don't have. So they shut down the street, which was a very long process. Um, it, it, we lost about probably a month of, uh, of patio season because of, you know, if, if you had a patio, great, but we didn't have a patio. So we had to wait for them to close the street and set up our, um, you know, permits and all this stuff to be able to serve on the street. Um, and that would, that only lasted for the summer. And then as soon as the fall came, um, uh, and you know, cases started going up, variants started coming in, they closed us back down. Um, so we've been, you know, surviving just off of takeout sales. Uh, you know, thankfully we had the cookbook to sell. Um, you know, you mentioned your, uh, your bear hunts canceled. I had hunts and, uh, like book tours, dinners and things like that all across Canada, United States canceled. Um, and, uh, you know, making just, you know, being deemed uh, an unessential business is, uh, you know, it's depressing, man. It's, it's a lot to, uh, have to deal with for, you know, 15 months. Now. Well, I think that that, uh, that name in and of itself is a contradiction. Like every business exactly. is essential. Yeah. Someone is making it's essential to me. Off. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's essential to my kids, my family. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, personally I am very, uh, disappointed with the way the government's handling it uh you know it would be the most positive way to put it yeah no it's amazing talking about your your sort of meteoric rise to notoriety it's uh i mean it surely you've reflected on how fortunate and blessed you are to have had that happen despite you know the way you described like especially the initial sort of onslaught of hate and everything but i mean i mean candidly you probably wouldn't be selling a cookbook right if it hadn't been for that like that having that experience to sort of help through this mm-hmm. this this lockdown and everything has got to you had to have reflected on that and be like wow how lucky was that yeah it, def- it definitely helps with uh you know sales i think with that book the book was something that we were working on prior oh really okay cool. even opening the restaurant yeah so oh. um the restaurant is actually a, a byproduct of working on the book in the first place awesome. uh, which is kind of funny um but uh you know we were my business partner and i were working on this book um he's the he's the uh camera and film kind of component of uh of our business and um you know we thought that opening a restaurant would be a great way to you know, work on the book and really have a home for the press and stuff to go to. And so we kind of flip flop back and forth between the book and restaurant. And then, uh, you know, the restaurant uh, took the majority of our time for a long, uh, mm. a couple of years. And then we decided, okay, Hey, we need to put this book out. Um, you know, if, cool. if, if we had actually planned it, I would, I would have had the book available when the protests happened, but we weren't that uh, intuitive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, food photography is like a difficult thing. I like to cook. Obviously, you know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not a professional chef, but someday I might write a a wild game cookbook. I've got a lot of recipes, but I'm always just taking my pictures, you know, with my cell camera, my cell phone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I might take 30 pictures to get one. one Yeah, it's hard, man. And and certain Uh, things are really like photographing a a cooked steak with French fries seems to be like the most difficult uh, thing to photograph. But, um, you know, and I'll run outside to get the natural light. And yeah. my wife's like, what are you doing? You idiot. Yeah. Just eat your dinner. I was like, no, 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 the lighting's perfect outside right yeah. now. I gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I know a professional photographer who's real skilled at lighting. If you guys want yeah. to <laughs> call, she happens yeah. to live here in my house. Yeah. <laughs> nice. pretty, pretty talented. So. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so no, my my family will be eating dinner, and I'm like same thing you just described, yeah. and running around trying to take a photo, and they're uh-huh. laughing at me. So, yeah, like, well, Dad's gonna eat his food cold, but the rest of us yeah. will enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so let's talk about some of the just gross overreach of power from the Ontario government, and I don't know how much of this, uh, you know, I, I think the first time we ever had a conversation probably was. It was about gun control, I think. About yeah, we're talking Canada. about gun control, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. has been, which has gotten worse, I think, since the last time I've spoken to you. So, yeah. Well, how much of it is is on a national level? Like, are other provinces allowed to have outdoor dining, or is this yes. just something in Ontario? Yeah. So, Ontario's cases are definitely the highest, um, but we're also the we have the largest city in Canada in Ontario. So, and then a problem with that is the federal government up until yesterday wouldn't have uh, they weren't canceling any flights, so we were still. Um, you know, accepting flights from all over the world, you know, right when COVID hit, we were accepting, I don't think we ever stopped flights from China. So, um, yeah, you stopped them from America. We stopped. Yeah. We stopped, uh, non-essential travel between Canada and the United States. So, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know why, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not in politics. I, you know, I I couldn't tell you the reasoning behind all this, but, um, you know, it's almost like uh, the, the federal government is sabotaging the province of Ontario. You know, they're two different political parties. Um, you know, we have a, a conservative, um, you know, which would be Republican, uh, you know, province. And then uh, our, our federal government um, is a very liberal, uh, you know, liberal government. And it's, you know, it's, it's almost like they're just sabotaging us or something. It's crazy. It's, um, you know, so like you know other way to uh, explain other, you know, other than they don't want to offend, uh, you know, the Chinese government and cancel flights from China. You know, I, I don't, couldn't tell you the reason behind it. You know, the U S and Canada both, and Trump did a great job of, of not being so beholden to China. He was like, Hey, China suck this, you know, I'm, we're, yeah. we're, we're not going to play that game. And the yeah. first thing Biden did was, Hey, how fast can we get back to, you know, good terms with China? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't know why we're all, so both of our countries yeah. should nut up and say, Hey, you know what? We, we don't really need you. Yeah. There's 1.5 billion I, consumers there though. Yeah. Oh, and, the, you know, when it comes reason. to just protecting our own country from a virus that's, you know, coming from international lands, you know, why not cancel flights for 30 days or 50 or, you know, 60 days, whatever it is, uh, at least to evaluate and figure out what's going on and to protect everybody. So, so, so are you saying when you say that y'all's federal government is kind of quote sabotaging Ontario, a lot of these are these, I mean, these lockdown regulations are coming from the province level, right? But you're talking about the, the flight issues specifically the like flight Toronto. Is, so the, yeah, the flight yeah. issues are federal, like, they're federal uh, controlled things. So even right. if, you know, and our, being our, Toronto, our, most of them come into Toronto specifically when yeah. they're international like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, they said in the beginning of COVID, they didn't, they didn't want to stop flights from other countries because it was racist. And it was like, you know, yeah. that's such a, just saying thing. that it came from China is racist. And yeah. Apparently. So, um, it's the whole thing is bizarre. And, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a medical expert, you know, I, you know, I, I believe COVID is real. You know, I've spoken to people that have had it and it's not, it's not a lot of fun. Um, I've had just it, the way it almost, it almost killed my mom. I mean, she was in the hospital yeah. for 30 days, so I, it is wow. very real. Uh, it affects yeah. everyone differently though. Yeah. And that's the thing. And it's, um, you know, Canada, we had no rapid tests. Um, I couldn't, I was looking, I wanted to get a rapid test to come to the States, you know, um, a few weeks ago when I came to the States, um, you needed any kind of a test. And I thought, you know, I had tests in the States in January when I was hunting, 
Um, and uh, you know, rapid test was cheap, you know, 20 minutes in out, they did it in your car. Um, they didn't, they don't exist in Canada. People aren't, you know, all we have available are these PCR tests. So, you know, why aren't rapid testing sites, you know, everywhere, you know, if, if, if they're the quickest and easiest and cheapest form of testing people, um, you know, our, our big problem right now is, uh, is factories like Amazon and food processing plants where, uh, I think Amazon and the region where I live had 600 cases just in their, you know, factory or their warehouse, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, why aren't these people being tested on their way into work? You know, it's, and yeah. they're going to work and spreading it uh, and causing spikes in numbers and spreading it to their coworkers and clogging up our hospitals. And then they have to shut down the province, um, you know, but then they turn around and blame restaurants and say that it's, uh, you know, restaurants are a place of transmission. Well, when we were open for patio and takeout and all this stuff over the past, you know, 15 months, we haven't had one case in my restaurant, not one of our staff. Wow. Not one guest has been, we have to do uh, guest, you know, contact tracing when we were serving on the patio, not one guest uh, had COVID. So, um, you know, the way that the government uh, is handling this is, is, uh, is very poor. But so you're on a provincial level, it's a conservative uh, yes. party. Yeah. Okay. So I just don't understand why they're still sticking it to you guys. Like Texas opened up what, six weeks ago to like full capacity Chisholm? And yeah. our, I looked yesterday, our case per day uh, ratio is like the lowest it's been since the very, be the, the first spike. Uh, yeah, it's been declining since they did that. Yeah. Um, I, I have a question it's on crazy. that. So, so I mean, I, I would assume that this, the major cities and the, obviously the biggest of which, as you point out, being Toronto, are more left-leaning, right? Yes. Liberal in, in Canadian terms. Yeah. Um, so when you say Ontario is sort of a conservative province. Is it kind of like, you know, here in Texas, everybody thinks of Texas as being a very conservative place, but the reality is Houston, San Antonio, Austin, and basically all of Dallas, Fort Worth, it, I mean, they're yeah. they're very liberal very and now becoming left, yeah. right? Left, yeah. I mean, left wing really, um, yeah. but it's such a big place. We have so many, you know, small communities, uh, small towns, rural. Is that similar to Ontario? You guys have a lot of basically <laughs> hunters and fishermen in between the dense yeah. population well, areas. And you know, I think Ontario and Texas, uh, I think Ontario might be, you know, a little larger in size. Um, but there's only a very small portion of Ontario that's actually inhabited by people. Sure. You know, the very southern tip of yeah. Ontario, the you know, the rest uh is is very small communities and the further north you go, it's just nothing but uh the boreal forest. Right. Um, um so, but you know, the, I think the, the same is true. The the major cities are uh, are more left leaning. Um, our provincial government, before the government we have now, um, screwed up so badly and put our province in so much debt, uh, you know, and just you know pissed everybody off. Uh, the last provincial election we had, they actually lost their party status. They lost the election so badly. Mm -hmm. um, so I think a lot of their votes just came from people completely fed up with. Uh, how the province had handled, uh, you know, various number of things, energy, um, you know, gas prices, all these things that they uh, they royally screwed, um, really had a, a big part of why the Conservative Party was was elected. But I think the same is true for us. Whereas, you know, our cities are more left, and the rural communities are more are more uh, conservative leaning. That gives so, me hope, though, because I, yeah. you, you just reminded me of California. Like, yeah. <laughs> why don't the people in California wake up and take their state back? Uh, yeah. You guys took yours, so essentially, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're too far gone, but 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, our, our, they say that our hospitals are, uh, are overcrowded. Um, and then, you know, you hear reports of like, well, when it was flu season a couple of years ago, the hospitals were equally as crowded. But the, the difference between then and now is um, hospitals aren't allowed to have patients in beds in the halls anymore. So, you know, Canada talks about having free healthcare and the best healthcare in the world and stuff like that. Well, you know, during flu season, there was people in beds in hallways. Uh, you know, now and that because of COVID, that's not allowed. So really, we're at a point now where our hospital system is not big enough. Uh, it hasn't been big enough for a long time. And COVID is really, uh, you know, shining a light on that. And, you know, I think we are shut down because of that. You know, we're not we're not able to 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 deal with the amount of people we have that are in the ICU is the problem. Do you guys talk about your you know, your infection rate, like just casually among friends, like, like I, we did here in Texas is like, Oh yeah. yeah. We, how many, my wife's a nurse practitioner. She's, she's always okay. updating me anyway. Yeah. Uh, Cause she's in that field. And you know, like I just said, ours, ours have down or are, are down. It's yeah. like minimal now. And we're at full capacity. Everyone's going back to normal. You can go yeah. walk. Uh, I walked into a grocery store the other day for the first time without a mask on. And yeah. I would say 20% of the people in the store, didn't have masks on and it felt kind of freaking liberating to be honest with you. yeah yeah i you know if they work great you know i hate those things personally um it's i you know you wear one for long enough and it is difficult to breathe you know i'm sorry but it's i don't think we're meant to keep those things on our face all the time and mm-hmm. if you know I, I don't know like i'm not a doctor uh, you know we have mask mandates that we have to wear them when we go in store we have to wear them everywhere so do you have to wear them um, outside walking down the street? No, uh, I think okay. Montreal, like Quebec, you do. I think I've, I've seen videos of people getting uh, tickets and charged and harassed by police for not wearing a mask outside. And I think it's outside in a public space. Mm. Um, you know, that's ridiculous. I've, I, I have spoken to some doctors about that. And, you know, they've told me, you know, out, outdoor transmission is, is, you know, really not, a, not a, Basically big, not a thing. Yeah. It's not a thing, you know, between yeah. UV light killing the virus and it evaporating into the air, the atmosphere, um, you know, that's not really a thing. Again, I, you know, I'm not a doctor, but to me that this sounds like, you know, complete crazy craziness, you know, Man, there, there, wear a mask outside. Yeah. There, there were studies being reported in like this, like May, probably into June last year, you know, I, I heard it from several sources and then it's like, it just, it just evaporated. Right. It's amazing how like certain yeah. news can just vanish, but it, you know, these, these scientists and doctors were saying that the studying on the virus showed that it took like 15 minutes of prolonged, like face-to-face contact with somebody to transmit the virus. It was, you know, there was all this fear mongering about, oh, it's airborne. Well, okay. Yeah. But yeah. you have to get so much of it in you, especially if you're a reasonably healthy person, right. To, yeah. to end up getting sick from it. And so to your point, like between the UV and some wind and, and just the nature of the virus passing by somebody is yeah. not going to get you ill. Right. And, and, and that was really like, it was pretty well understood for, I feel like about a month there and then poof, like nobody talks about that anymore. Yeah. Know, yeah. And even like, you know, advice from the world health organization is con- continually changing. And now they're saying lockdowns are, you know, they're not needed and they're worse for the public. Um, you know, like I'm worried for my kids, you know, my, my daughter is 17 and she's mentally able to deal with this. Uh, you know, she quite likes doing school from home. <laughs> Um, you know, she gets to sleep in longer and she's, Mm. she's one of those kids that can like handle the work on her own. Uh, but my son who's 11, um, he was playing hockey five nights a week in a, in a rep hockey league. Um, 
all of a sudden goes to no physical activity, uh, no sports, no seeing his friends, no going to school, no routine. And the kid was depressed. And, uh, you know, he was like face down crying on his floor in his room, you know, because his whole life just got yanked out from under him. And this, you know, has been ongoing now for 15 months here. So yeah. do you guys like, is there a way for him to see his friends? Like, can they come to your house or like, well, how strict is the, the social aspect? Well, right, right now um, they've just put us down in the strictest lockdown we've ever had. It's a stay at home order. Uh, yeah. We're not allowed to have uh, visitors from other households in our house. Um you know, all non-essential businesses are closed again. You can't go to uh, a store and, and buy, you know, non-essential goods. Um, they even locked down uh, city parks and they wrapped basketball nets with uh, plastic bags and uh, caution taped off city parks. And I think that was when the, the people of Ontario finally got pissed off enough to, you know, take to Twitter and take to calling their representatives and doing all the things we, we can do to, uh, you know, protest. Um, and finally the government rolled back the, uh, you know, not allowed to go to a playground and, you know, or a city park to exercise. Mm. Um, but you know, we're, we're back to square one with this thing and we're in a stay at home order. That's so unbelievable. It, it, it was Ontario that just like last week or maybe the week prior, they all had some officials do a press conference where they were, I mean, basically announcing a police state, right? They were yeah. saying that we're giving the police authority to, to come up to you people, on the street, yeah. demand an explanation of why you're out, why you're outside yeah. your home, right? basically so, carting you, yeah, wanting to yeah. see your uh, your uh, your identification and all that stuff. So, yeah, he, they they did That's that racist. last week. You shouldn't have yeah. to have an ID. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you know what happened was the uh, the, uh, the police chiefs started speaking out saying that they weren't going to enforce it. So then the Thank government God. rolled that back. Yeah, on. you know the That's, the problem is you know the police chief said they weren't going to enforce it, but then, you know, there's still some, there's still some officers that were doing it. You know, there's still some reports of people getting uh, carded and getting in trouble and getting these tickets because the government hadn't rolled that back yet. So, um, you know. Yeah. And to, to just kind of expand on that, Chisholm sent me the link to that and it was literally your, your political figurehead saying, the police can stop you in your car for no reason without provocation. Don't have to have a reason. They can stop you on the street. No provocation. Hey, what are you doing out here? Yeah. Yeah. uh, I don't, I'm going for a walk, whatever. F yeah. you, you know, like, no, yeah. can't do that. Uh, it's yeah. just basically the most, that's out of all the lockdown stuff I've heard. That was the one that was the most authoritarian, uh, I think yeah. of, of anything in Canada or the United States. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not nice living here right now. I'll tell you that. When are you moving to Texas? <laughs> I mean, I would we need love the to. antler barn kitchen down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it would do well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no doubt it would, for no sure. It would. Yeah. Um. So, do you still? Uh, you've been on Joe Rogan show. Do you? Do you listen to his uh, podcast? You know, I do anyway? not, uh, not, not religiously. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't listen to the the ones every week. If there's a guest that I uh, I like and connect with, I'll, I'll definitely have a listen. Um, and I've definitely found out about a lot of interesting individuals, uh, you know, from his for his podcast. He's got such a an interesting, uh, you know, reach and you know types yeah. of people that he has on. It's, uh, yeah. um, you know, even, even when he had you know Bernie Sanders on, I listened to that one just because I, you know, I don't know anything about the guy and it was interesting to hear him speak. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has a, a really interesting group of people on there. Yeah. yeah I, I think I've learned more, not directly from Rogan's podcast, but to your point, like the rabbit hole that it leads you down following yeah. all these other fascinating people and brilliant people yeah. that you're talking about. Like 
than I learned in you know college and law school combined just in the last few years from podcasts, basically, from the guys he's introduced us right. to. I don't yeah. typically listen to other podcasts because I spend the whole week making one and now two for a living. Yeah. Uh, although this one doesn't make us any money, but <laughs> we, we're passionate about it. Um, so I, I really have kind of been out on listening to podcasts, but Chisholm just beats me over the head into submission. It's like, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to this. So I went to yeah. the, the, uh, the turkey lease two days ago. And yeah. it was like, you got to listen to this one with Colin Knorr, who's a big yeah. um, second I, advocate. Yeah. He's from Dallas. Yeah. So I'm, I, I turn it on. I've got a two hour drive. I'm like, oh, I'll knock this thing out. It's a three hour conversation. They're all yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah. In and fact, if he goes shorter than three hours, it's because he's either got uh, something about half the time. It's because he's not really digging the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Three hours. Is yeah. Cool. Time flies with him. He's a really uh, great interviewer and conversationalist for sure. It was, yeah. uh, you know, our time. Uh, it just seemed like it flew by, you know, and yeah. it was, you know, like I said, two and a half, three hours long. So. Well, so, but so I learned something. So Chisholm has me occasionally listening to other podcasts. So I listened to this episode mm-hmm. and Colin starts talking about how much money these big cities like uh, New York and yeah. LA are spending on homeless people. Right. And like it was educational for Joe uh, because he's like, I didn't know. He's like, I just left LA because it's, you know, it was becoming too crazy, but yeah. he just always thought the homeless people just like needed to get a job. Like yeah. he didn't realize the city's spending $450 million on homeless people a year. Now right. you're probably in a place where it's too cold to have a lot of homelessness. No, we do. We have, there's right now all our, there's a bunch of encampments in city parks and they all have tents and camps set up. Is this because of COVID? Like, has it gotten, America. it's gotten worse because of, because of COVID, because they've, they've cut the, uh, um, the amount of occupants you can have in the shelters. Oh. Um, so I think there's a lot more people on the street that can't find, or they're scared to go to the shelters because of COVID. So now they're, they prefer to sleep in a tent outside mm-hmm. than go to a shelter. Wow. Wow. I don't know where the the line between, you know, being a humanitarian versus these people can't just live in these slum cities. Uh, Yeah. You know, people like you don't want your kids around that because drug use is rampant in those places. I don't want my kids around that. Chisholm sure as hell doesn't want his his girls around that. So where that's one thing I struggle with about about homelessness. Of course, as a person that cares about humanity, I, I feel bad for them, have compassion for them. How do we yeah. fix the problem? And then you see these these yeah. states like California, four hundred fifty million dollars for like a hundred thousand homeless people. That's a lot of money per homeless person. But where's it yeah. going? And nothing's changing. It's only getting worse. Yeah, and you know a lot of it's mental health and mental illness. And you know what do you what do you do? It's a complex problem. Um, and you know there's a fine line between you know enabling and then you know helping these people. And I, I you know I don't know what that is, um, but uh, it's definitely you know com- complex mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. Well, the, you know, I think I think both of our governments have gotten incredibly adept at enabling people instead yeah. of encouraging them to make a change. Yeah. Yeah. The I guess the thing that really struck home in their conversation, and, and I do think it's it goes well beyond just the homelessness issue. It's it's just it's like institutional uh you know monetary abuse, right? Like Cable pointed out $450 million in 2020 was spent on the LA homeless problem. And yet the LA homeless problem is like growing exponentially. Right. So Rogan's going, (laughs) Rogan's going, where is that money going? Well, the truth is I, I had back in February, I had a couple of buddies from law school down to uh, hunt with us basically. 
and um, mostly just screw around in the country. But um, one of them was pointing out, so th these guys are sort of plugged into like these different rackets, right? And, and one of my buddies actually from Oklahoma was pointing out how he had sort of found out through, you know, his practice and the sort of people he's associated with about how these 501c3s. So in, tech, in, in the United States, I don't know what the program is like in Canada, but a 501c3 is a non-profit non organization, right? So conservation group, charity group, you know, churches, you name it, right? So there's, there's a limit according to the tax code that you can't, <laughs> you think of a non-profit and I guess I, it never had been explained to me how you qualify, right? The only way that all they have to do to qualify as a nonprofit other than to register as one is to is that they can't have greater than 5% profit margins. Right. Or maybe it was two. Yeah. But then, you know, you'll hear about an organization that's taking in hundreds of millions of dollars annually, right? And we all know about how these organizations, you know, that, that if you're going to contribute cash to one of these organizations, you should try to figure out there's different ways that you know, these organizations are ranked based on how much of your money is going to go to the yeah. actual thing you're funding versus the org, right? And administration costs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you're lucky if you find one that's got 20% of their revenue. I mean, that's a lot going towards the actual yeah. thing versus to your point, the overhead. And so his point was, man, when you hear about these $100 million annual 501c3s, they're, they are actually incentivized to pay like their board of directors, like high six and maybe even seven figure salaries and bonuses and stuff. Right. And then on yeah. top of that, so the board and the, and the, the, the directors of the, of the organization, you know, they have a project that they're going to put $50 million to. Maybe they're going to build a homeless shelter, right? Guess who gets the contract? Brother-in-law. Right. Yeah. And oh, Google, it's, it's, it's no uh, bid, you know, Google the we scandal, W E we scandal. And, and, uh, and I've Ontario seen a little bit right about now. that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's true. where, uh, it's, it's supposed to be, uh, like a children's charity. Um, uh, they ended up owning, you know, millions of dollars of real estate all over, uh, Canada. Huh. Um, they actually paid Trudeau, uh, Trudeau's wife, Trudeau's brother and Trudeau's mom to be speakers at their events, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then um, during COVID, the Trudeau government uh, gave them a $900 million contract um, to do something to do with youth employment. And there's already a youth employment uh, services program as part of our government. So instead of giving the mon money to our government program, they then gave it, turned around and gave it to this we charity uh, that, you know, pays them for speaker engagement. So it's, it's an ongoing uh, investigation right now. Lockdown. When no one's yeah. supposed to be working anyway, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. And, so, and I would, I would bet, I would bet money that they're bleeding money off of the government program as well oh, as yeah. the as well as the nonprofit. That getting back yeah. to the, the homeless issue in LA and everything. I mean, those those government funds are handled and dealt with the same way, right? It's these brother in law deals that, like, yeah. oh, we're going to do this. You know, it, during the course of that conversation, they pointed out that as we speak right now over half a billion dollars and it might if i recall it might have been as much as like 800 million dollars was given by new york city mayor bill de blasio who's one of the very worst in the country yeah. to his wife to manage which i think also it was part of this homeless conversation i think it was funding for homelessness they can't account for it it's just gone 800 million it was half a billion yeah 850 million dollars given by the mayor to his wife to manage these charitable pro programs and, and they can't account for a dollar of it yeah. what like that's the kind of thing 
that's rampant at all levels of government and, and we all just like deal with it right like yeah i don't know what to do about it yeah yeah but you know it, it really it, it it absolutely should be criminal but guess who writes the laws yeah you know criminals <laughs> yeah and then enforces the yeah. laws yeah <laughs> yeah um i also learned one other thing that i wanted to hit on on that uh on that podcast and colin said or maybe it was joe uh, I didn't realize that you could literally steal $900 worth of shit in California and you won't get prosecuted. Like that's the limit. Really? Right? You could yeah, steal under a thousand. Yeah. yeah. You, 900 bucks. Under a thousand. They said that people's cars get broken into. And as long as the, the thieves don't steal a thousand dollars worth of stuff and they don't even call the police because they're not going to do anything. They're not going to do anything. What kind of wow. lawless society do we live in? It's, um, it's, we're going in the wrong direction. That's for damn sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. Just stealing. Yeah, it's scary. And enabling them to do it. Making them, feeling them and making them feel empowered because they know, well, as long as I only steal, you know, three pairs of Air Jordans or whatever when I'm looting, then it's fine. Yeah. So get, switching back over to Canada, we're sort of just beating Michael up about California, which is <laughs> oh, definitely like, a, <laughs> a common thread in our our conversations. But, um, you know, you, you mentioned Trudeau. Man, that guy is the Teflon Don, huh? Like what, what is, what, you know, your, your peer group, obviously you don't know everybody in the country, but like, what is the average Joe that you come across think of that guy? Cause the things, and again, granted, you know, we all have our media bubble, right? So the things I'm getting yeah. from him come from certain sources, but I yeah. mean, between his blackface scandal and this we thing yeah. and it like it's, it's, and then he's like the most woke politician that I can, see anywhere like how, yeah i don't understand it man I, how does that i guess part of the I, problem is y'all have so many parties he always has like a plurality but never a majority kind of thing i don't i i have no idea how he's gotten away with uh the things he's gotten away with you know the the blackface scandal was a little premature to uh you know the blm riots and protests and stuff like that um i, I don't know how he survived that to be honest you know um i was dumb and young you know too in my life and that's something i've sure. never done uh, I, I asked a lot of my friends, I said, you know, in all seriousness, when you were in college and drunk and doing stupid shit, uh, did you ever paint your face black and go to a party? And every, no, like, it's just, I right. can't believe that someone would do that, you know, and, and um, for him to, you know, just get away with just that one alone, uh, you know, and he did it multiple times on multiple occasions. There's photos from different eras of his life doing it, um, you know, and it just goes to show you the arrogance of this person. Uh, there's been the ethics violations that are against the law that he's been, you know, convicted of uh, on more than one occasion, you know, accepting gifts and vacations and things from uh, people he shouldn't, um, you know, to um, there's a big uh, SNC Lavalin scandal it was a big construction company out of uh, Quebec that was caught, uh, you know, bribing officials uh, overseas for construction contracts that, um, Trudeau actually fired and put pressure on our, uh, I think it was our attorney general. And she was the first female indigenous uh, attorney general or woman in power, you know, in our government that, you know, she was the first, mm. um, you know, he fired her and, and threw her under the bus um, and got away with it, you know, and it's like, he, he claims to be this feminist and supporting indigenous affairs uh, and then, you know, uses, uses them as his scapegoat. So, you know, I don't know, you know, I think, I think people are blinded by his, I think it's his fake wokeness. You know, I don't think he is woke. I think he just likes to play on, uh, you know, he, he likes to play on the heartstrings of people and he says the right things that resonate with the right people. 
That's um, how he gets elected. Yeah. That's how he gets elected. Yeah. I, you know, he's just, he just, you know, stands in our house of commons uh, and just lies through his teeth and, you know, he's starting to get caught. Um, you know, a lot of people are unhappy with uh, the lack of vaccines in this country. So, you know, the reason that we are so far behind and our ICUs are so full is because um, we're, I think like ranked, it's like 40th or 60th in the world for vaccination rates wow. right now. Um, I think Chisholm know, and, and I could go get one like this week if we wanted to. Pretty sure. Yeah. So he doesn't want to. I'm not even eligible. I'm 36 years old. I'm not even eligible to go get one. They just announced that if you're 40 years old and over, you can go get one. Yeah. Um, uh, there was some talks of letting people in the hospitality industry uh, get them because they were, uh, you know, working with the public. I don't know if that has happened yet. Um, uh, you know, and uh, for me personally, I'm a healthy guy. I don't know if I want it. You know, I'm not anti-vaccine. Uh, you know, I've, I've had the measles and mumps vaccines and, you know, all those things, smallpox, whatever. Um, but this is so new. I'm a little nervous about it, to be honest. You know, I don't know. Um, we're all three in that same camp. Yeah, like you know, no. I, I don't want my kids vaccinated with this thing yet because it's oh, too new. Hell no, we're not getting our yeah. kids vaccinated. Man, so, it, it's a very, sort of, very, very, very survivable thing for people in our yeah. in in, in our general yeah age group and like you said, level of health. I mean, all three of us yeah. get outside. It actually, you know, one thing we forgot in last conversation, cable is you know there is seventy eight percent of everybody in the, the states anyway, and I bet that stat probably holds up nation or worldwide. 78% of people who were hospitalized or died from it are, you know, were clinically overweight, right? Yes. Not even, not even clinically obese, over, overweight. Um, yeah. But uh, there's another study that I had found that said that, that there's a sort of a comparable, like, it, it's not just overweight, like, cause there are people who are, no offense, buddy, but you know, cable, he could definitely shed 15, 20 pounds, right? But he's but he's fit. He he exercises. Mommy he plays, likes it though. He plays soccer. <laughs> yeah, he goes hunting with me. And, and, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. He's got a dad bod, but he but he can <laughs> climb a mountain with me and pack an elk out, right? So yeah, like they were saying, like level of activity is definitely correlative too, right? Like you again, you you can be a husky guy and still be good, still be good cardio and all that stuff, right? So yeah. so like you know both have a high degree of correlation to like major complications from it point being like you know people in our general demographic across the board you know you might not you may be the kind of asymptomatic guy cable got it yeah. and he's got asthma and he kicked it in three days right yeah. so yeah like and and at the end of the day it's still an emergency use authorization it has not been at least in the states through the full gamut of regular you know regulations necessary to get full approval and so it's like but you have to take it and I, I pointed out the other day, what frustrates me the most about it is like, you have to take it, not because we give a damn about you and your liberty and your feelings and your body, but you have to take it to protect other people. Yeah. And to me, it's like, you're telling me I have to change something about my health for people who generally aren't willing to do the same for theirs. Yeah. And I think that's exactly. absolute bullshit. Like, yeah. you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a selfish prick. Right. I don't yeah. think any of us that are dads can be like that's once you become a father or a mother, it really takes your ego down a notch. Right. All of a yeah, sudden yeah. you have other lives that you would lay yours down for 100 percent. Right. And I believe in yeah. a certain level of communalism. Right. And but it, I, I, I just don't think it's even remotely fair to say that people who have, you know, I'll even grant it's one thing 
you know, people who are vulnerable, right? Pr protecting them, I, I understand, right? But people who have made themselves vulnerable through their own poor decision-making, I have to take a shot that's brand new and still experimental yeah. by any reasonable definition because I'm supposed to be protecting people who refuse Don't. to lift a finger to help their own health, man. It's, it's, it's just, it's just wrong, man. And, yeah. and at this point, it's, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm less worried about the, I'm not an anti-vaxxer either. My four-year-old just had her round of shots the other day. Right. I, I, yeah. I'm not, I'm getting more and more less concerned as we go week by week and see more and more people get vaccinated, including like my mom just got her second shot. Yeah. Less concerned about the, you know, potential for weird things to come of it as I am just like, I know I don't need it. If I get sick, I'll stay home. But the biggest thing is I'm not going to let you tell me what the, to do, man. Like yeah, period. Put my body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. You brought up a good point though, Michael, about the kiddos, because like personally yeah. I had it like four days yeah. later, my wife had it. Uh, yeah. Our kiddos were, once I had it, I went in my own room or stayed in here in the studio. I was, yeah. but like they were still around her cause she was negative and had no symptoms. They right. didn't get it. And they got tested with the PCR twice, all of them. Yeah. And they're eight, six and six. So like, about, wow. like what you said about your kids, I would encourage everybody yeah. like kids are resilient to this shit. Yeah. My daughter uh, was in a car with her friend that had it and she didn't know they had it. Um, she hung out with her three times. They went for runs in the park and she picked her up in her car. She was with this girl for three days, basically, who had asymptomatic COVID symptoms, uh, went to get an allergy test and they made her get a COVID test prior. It was the only way that her friend found out she had it. My daughter, she's had uh, three tests and all of them came back negative. So she was sharing a car with somebody that had it and didn't right. get it. So right. shared a plate of food uh, with somebody who tested positive the next day and got real sick. Like he was sick for a good solid yeah. two weeks. <laughs> wow. yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think about the handshake? Because I've noticed in, in Texas anyway, it's coming back. I'm uh, yeah. this guy that's on my dear lease. Yeah. We had never met because of COVID like people there's, a, we have yeah. a house out there. There's four of us on it. We take our families. We kind of been doing it at different times. Or if it's like yeah. a couple of the guys, we don't take families we'll meet up, but I'd never met Dan. He's actually a, he's a fishing guide in Alaska from May yeah. through October. Wow. Um, cool guy. But yeah, we met for the first time. It was like, boom, handshake, you know, it's yeah. like, ah, I'm glad this isn't like, I, yeah, this bumps are cool and all, but I like a firm. Yeah. Handshake. Yeah. I'm kind of old school like that too. Like I, I prefer to shake someone's hand when I meet them. It feels weird. You know, it's just the way you're brought up, like, yeah. you know, firm handshake, look the person in the eye and call them by their name. You know, like that's just, ingrained right. in uh, my upbringing so um yeah yeah personally you know i see friends and stuff i still shake their hand um you know wash your hands use hand sanitizer if you're concerned right. you know I, i'm just not i'm not that concerned about it like right. you know we're talking we're healthy people and if we eat know, a lot of venison yeah <laughs> yeah that's we eat a natural diet sweet. that's yeah. right yeah. um I, I i was uh online reading some news articles and stuff like that and there was a it's old now like our the, the deaths at the time in canada were around eleven thousand total for covid i think now they've doubled uh so this news thing was old but they put out the amount of deaths that we had in the country and then they put out the amount of deaths that happened in the long-term care homes so outside of long-term care homes this was a few months ago uh the amount of deaths in canada were 166 Wow. deaths outside of long-term care homes so, so man you started all this by saying i know it's real i know it's real too cable knows it's real 
but it's not what we've been told it is, man. Yeah. That's just like that right there. What could prove that more? Yeah. The average and age of death actually, is 78. The, the news art, the news station uh, retracted. They changed the article online. Like people screenshot it when they first put it out and the, the backlash uh, was so huge. They took it down and changed it, but people had screenshot these and they were talking about wow. it on their YouTube channel that their YouTube channel canceled them. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you read that, dude? I've never, I've never actually read it. I know who I, you know, I've heard of it and heard of him. And, read it. Oh, yeah. It's not a long book for real. Yeah. Read it. It. Yeah. We're talking about it. That was the year I was born. So I should. Uh, yeah. You should yeah. totally read it then. I'm writing, I'm writing it down. Changing the news <laughs> like that. Just. Oh. Um, we, we talked about this on the last episode, but it's, it's pertains to what you just said. Um, governor DeSantis from Florida had a round table discussion with, it was like professors, medical doctors from, what was it? Yale, Columbia, it was, Harvard. It was, it, was Har- it was Harvard, Stanford and Oxford. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think so, I watched so, it. You did. Okay. Yeah. YouTube took it down. Wow. Like, yeah, because it, it contradicted what Fauci was saying. And they're like, ah, yeah. no, but hey, these people are, are as qualified, if not more than yeah. Fauci, to have an yeah. opinion. And there's three of them saying the same shit. And all he was saying was, it, the very, it was very specific. The Harvard guy was saying that because of the rates of transmission and serious complications that we see among school-aged children under 14, which going back to June, the, the data has always supported the idea that they're more at risk from the flu traditional influenza than they are from this he's like and because of the fact that a 12 year old is not going to keep a mask on properly and not be picking his or her nose and stuff he's like i, I don't i don't really think it's necessary among school-age children and that got you yeah, know, that's why it was t- yeah, take it down yeah silicon valley band um yeah it's it's bizarre my uh, i was talking to my uncle about this stuff and he was saying that transmission's in the home you know the kids go to school and they're asymptomatic or they don't have like you know maybe the virus is just living on their fingers um but what happens is the transmissions in the home so when you're locking everybody up making people not leave their house the transmission is actually higher because at home with your family you're not wearing a mask you're not washing your hands as much uh and that's you know locking people up is actually making the transmission go up now my uncle's not a doctor his wife's a nurse and uh you know that's some theories that he's read and, and talked about but i just thought you know that's an interesting way to look at it you know if you mm-hmm. encourage people to get outside yeah. get out of their house uh you know maybe maybe it's less get some sunshine get yeah. healthy yeah yeah right i mean that that's the thing is the two the two things you can do you know besides getting vaccinated i guess that are the most per, you know most likely to improve your outcome if you're exposed to this virus is vitamin d and, and exercise you know and so of health, both of the yeah. right they, that means get outside anyway. what's what's also interesting is the 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 zero reported flu cases uh in yeah, the last the two seasons like do they think we're <laughs> stupid like how stupid are we they think we're really you know? stupid man like yeah. there's there's hundreds of thousands of covid cases and all of a sudden there's zero cases of the flu now like yeah you know and you see these memes where someone's in a car accident and you know the death certificate says you know covid related mm-hmm. death like it's just like kid in colorado drank bizarre. themselves to death covid death yeah. i there's a podcast i listen to I'll just go ahead and name it. It's um, it's a group of conservative uh, writers, intellectuals that used to be part of uh, the National Review. Uh, you know, uh, it's like a news magazine here in the states has been since like the fifties, I think. But they branched off and created a, an outfit called the Dispatch, in large part because of 
basically dissension among the original national review crew with regards to Trump, this group of people that were, they're, they're basically like never Trumpers, right? They wanted to start their own news organization. And I like yeah. listening to them generally. So I've, I've, you know, moved over and got their podcast and I listen to it frequently, but the more I listen to it, the more, uh, you know, what was the more establishment I realized they kind of are right. Like, so they were talking, they, they had a specialist come on about three weeks ago just to, it was, it was a doctor, right. But just to try to convince their audience to take the vaccine because they were getting lots of questions. I mean, they, they set it all up. They were like, we're getting lots of people asking about the vaccine and a lot of people who are concerned about the vaccine. A lot of people are saying they're not going to take it. So we wanted to bring this guy in because we feel like he's the best we've heard at explaining why you need to. And immediately I was just like, okay, let's see how this goes. Right. And yeah, <laughs> by the, so there was this moment where he points out what you were just talking about, Michael, that the flu basically was stopped dead in his tracks last year, allegedly Yeah, that there were you know zero deaths from it. And the year prior, I mean, we went through this data in 2019, I think it was 65 or 70,000 deaths in America in 2018. It was almost 90. Right. So I mean, always historically big numbers of people. Right. Yeah. And what he actually said was, and I can go back about six months and I remember listening to some more conspiracy is not the word, but you know, <laughs> people who are way more concerned about authoritarianism and government overreach saying they're going to make us wear these things every flu season, the masks. Right. And this dude said, you know, what seems to have been remarkably uh, effective against the flu is mask wearing. And I was like, here you go, man. They're like, they're just like ripping it in man. see but in other parts of the world that's very interesting like i've i've spent uh three weeks in japan mm -hmm. uh, i've spent a little bit of time uh in singapore traveling and you know just working on your food, sushi eating. skills or what yeah no i went actually for a snowboard trip and uh, oh wow yeah they got some killer powder out there um mm. but uh you know of course we ate our way through tokyo and some of the other regions <laughs> um but it's it's like just customary in japan right. if you're sick you wear a mask and if you're sick so it's if you're right? sick so right. it's it's very common to see you know you're on the subway there's 50 people you know five or six people wearing a mask and it's it's a courtesy thing um and it's and i got culture. no problem with that yeah you know, i think that's like, you know yeah. and i think if it's your choice and uh you want to uh be responsible and respectful to people around you i think that's great um but to force it on people and make everyone make healthy people wear one is uh is crazy right let's let's uh <laughs> yeah, exactly. let's kind of wrap this up with a little like for our listeners who aren't aware of you you mentioned you have even stricter gun laws than we probably talked i don't know 18 months two years ago yeah uh what what has changed and yep. do canadians gun owning canadians look at the united states and say wow these guys have it great yes <laughs> that, to answer to your, your question uh yes we we look to the americans and think uh you know wouldn't that be nice um so from when we last spoke, uh, all ARs of any platform are banned. Um, so I, you know, for people that own an AR like myself, uh, it's a safe queen right now until they figure out what they're doing. So, um, you know, the, we have the three, three license classes. We have a prohibited license, which you can't even get anymore. Um, it was, it was the license given to people, uh, when our, I guess our first gun control came into effect. So, uh, people that had like old military relics or full, fully automatic things, or, um, you know, uh, 
pistols that have a short barrel, shorter than four inches, considered a prohibited device. You can't shoot that anywhere. Uh, you can't use it anywhere. It's like a, a basically a, a museum Ornament. relic now. Then there's a re the restricted class of licenses. So this was brought in for uh, all pistols uh, and and uh, really shotguns and rifles that had a barrel shorter than 18 inches. So um, and a lot of the semi-automatic rifles and things like that were put into restricted class. So restricted class basically means you're only allowed to use them at a range. Uh, you can't hunt with an AR in Canada. You can't carry a pistol for defense or, you know, even if you're camping or fishing, you can't carry a, you know, a, a, a big caliber pistol for bear defense or something like that. Um, so these guns you can only use at a, at a range. Uh, then there's non-restricted, which are um, basically your hunting rifles and shotguns. So what's happened now is the government banned uh, 1,500 firearms. Uh, all ARs were caught up in that, but things like, um, I think it's called an, uh, uh, an MCR or MXR, I forget the name of the model, but it, it was basically a, uh, a semi-automatic 308. Things like any, any kind of semi-automatic rifles were caught up in this. My whole gun um, safe just got banned. Yeah, so, um, and even like our storage laws, like we can't um, store... Uh, a firearm that's not locked. All our firearms have to have a trigger lock or in a locked, be in a locked case, uh, separate from ammunition. I think it, it gets weird. If it's in a if it's in a safe like you have that you can't move it, I think you can keep your ammo and stuff in there altogether. Um, and then I, I should mention the restricted class of things we have. Um, you can't transport them unless they're double locked. So if you're going to the range with your pistol or your you know at the time you could use your AR, uh, it have to be trigger locked in a locked case. Um, to be able to transport it. So our problem is, you know, Toronto is like a little New York. There's people running around shooting each other um, and they don't have licenses. Like you can't buy ammunition here without a license. You need a license for everything. You know, my lock, Michael, you know that yeah. place in between your seat and your truck? Yeah. I just put my handgun right there. And yeah. that's how that's how I lock yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as a as a sports shooter or a gun owner here, it's no fun, man. It's it's <laughs> and it, they just continually pick on uh people with licenses because they know who we are, they know where we live. Mm. Um these restricted guns are all registered. You have to you so if I buy a pistol at a gun store, um the paperwork I pay for it, paperwork goes to the police station. Uh, the police station then sends it back and then I'm allowed to transport it home. So that could take a week. That could take a day. You, you can't just go into a store and buy a pistol and take it home. Right. Um, our non-restricted stuff is unregistered. So like hunting shotguns and stuff like that, there's no registry on those. They don't know what they are, but what's happened was, all the, you know, there's all these non-restricted guns. They now set our banned. So people have like, it, what's now is like a black market of these guns um, that are banned. We're not supposed to use. We're not supposed to hunt with anymore. Uh, but really what are we supposed to do with them so if you get caught with them it's it's you know you're going to jail but yeah yeah this is so uh, it's, this it's is just getting worse because yeah. this is where the biden administration openly says he wants to take america like um, yeah. colorado just passed a law or is trying to pass a law i saw this this week to where you have to have much like in canada uh if you have a handgun in your house you have and you have kids in the house you have to have it locked up in a safe yeah. at all times yeah. well that's great except for if someone comes into your house what yeah. you're now vulnerable and yeah I, I i agree everyone should practice gun safety i personally yeah. have my guns locked up because i have three little kids yeah. they would not touch a gun because that's the way that yeah. i've raised them they go yeah. they go hunting they go shooting they don't touch the guns that one that's in my truck they know it's there they do not touch it 
But the point is, the government shouldn't be telling me what I can and can't do in my own yeah. house with my yeah. guns. You know, they yeah. don't have any jurisdiction there. They shouldn't be saying that. Uh, yeah. But all this stuff, like you said, we have it great here and we do. Yeah. But we are more under fire right now today than we ever have been. Yeah. And I think the problem is, you know, like, you know, give an inch, they take a mile. And that's mm-hmm. that's what's happening in Canada. And um, now they're talking about giving cities the authority to ban handguns within those cities. Well, I'm screwed. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have to move. You know, it's yeah. uh, well, you that know, happens, so welcome to uh, Baltimore, Chicago and Washington, D.C., the cities with the yeah. highest uh, the strictest yeah. gun laws and the highest murder rates. It works yeah. out great. You know, yeah. it really does. Yeah. And then, you know, they turn around and blame, blame the gun owners. It's, it's, uh, right. criminals, you know, the, the legal gun owners in, in don't our case, buy their guns at Cabela's, yeah. you know, they just yeah. don't. So, no. um, they also don't comply with all those regulations. No. Uh, no. You know, I, I've always looked at, or for a long time anyway, looked at Canada as sort of about a decade ahead of us when it comes to social progress. Right. And I think that's a big part of why we're having this conversation with you is just to sort of get an idea of, you know, what's been going on with COVID and some of these other things, but uh, you know, it, I, <clears throat> to Cable's point, all of it is coming this this way, and it's, and that's like global, right? I mean, this isn't just Canada and the U.S. Uh, a North American thing, right? There's there's this movement towards safety and protectionism, and it, it, I, what t- drives me nuts is it's they feel like if they just put enough Nerf everywhere, right, pad everything and take away any sharp objects, that somehow we're all going to you know live forever. And, yeah. I, I, I guess I had a point, and my point is, when it comes to specifically hunting, because Caitlin and I are both huge hunters, obviously you are, Michael, um, and, and some of these, like your unrestricted class, the types of firearms you would use for hunting, what is the general, in the States, we still have something like, you know, 70 to 80% of Americans will say that they don't have a problem with people hunting for food, right? Yeah. Gets wonky if you start talking about trophy hunting and if you start talking yeah. about bears and but we know y'all you know you lost your right you're they banned grizzly hunting throughout is it all Bridge canada Columbia. or just bc no, okay BC. it's just bc, BC. yeah where they're <laughs> everywhere i guess like what is is it sort of like what we were talking about earlier where these the, the bigger denser populations that are so far removed from any of that stuff that they don't possibly understand it have too much yeah. sway is the yeah. polling way more split there or are you, do you really feel like you're being kind of overrun by again, people who don't know better? You know, I think, I think it's, you know, the people in cities that aren't connected with uh, hunting and, you know, nature and the traditions uh, are, are definitely anti-gun. You know, my business partner uh, was one of them and, you know, working with me uh, he's, you know, he's 50 now, but I think I took him hunting for the first time when he was 45 uh and you know changed his views about guns uh, because you know a lot of people that don't grow up with guns think well well, people don't need guns no one needs a gun right and that's that's a big belief in a lot of homes and um you know i read something i think it was black rifle coffee company that posted it uh was you know the second amendment wasn't written for deer hunters you know yeah you don't need a you don't need a magazine with 30 rounds to kill a deer well that's not what the second amendment was for you know Mm -hmm. to fight off the british (laughs) Well, you know, tyranny. So to fight yeah. off a, yeah, a, tyr- a tyrannical the government. protection really. of a free state. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, when, when you look at it like that, that, you know, that, okay, well, the Second Amendment was written at a time when there were flintlocks. Well, you know, now the government has, you know, this type of firepower. Why aren't the people allowed to have the same? Like, it's. Yeah. And people that say, yeah, the flintlock thing, uh, you know, I heard this. Uh, it was, oh, it was the guy that used to play Hercules. What is his name? Kevin Sorbo. 
he had this great tweet and it was, yeah, okay. The second amendment was written in a time where people uh, shot each other with flintlocks. They also wrote it with a quill and delivered it on horseback. So when you want to, when you want to deliver your new gun legislation on horseback that you hand wrote with quill and ink, then we'll have yeah. the conversation. So yeah. Yeah, it was great. That's um, awesome. Last thing. Uh, Chisholm and I uh, have our we have a favorite turkey camp uh, recipe. Not that you need uh, any culinary advice from us, but we'll share it because mm. I think our listeners uh, listeners awesome. will like it. Uh, I always like take, the recipes. We uh, well, thank you very much. Um, we take the uh, the nasty bits, the heart, the gizzard, yeah. the liver. Yeah, our turkeys have this beautiful yellow fat on them a lot of the time. Yeah. and this was Chisholm's idea last year at, at, at camp, and now it's our favorite. Um, we take that fat and we get it going in a skillet put some peppers and onions in there. Um, he preps the gizzards and we dice it up and throw it in there, put a little seasoning on it. This time we made tacos, but I mean, you can eat it right out of the bowl, but it's like a beautiful yeah. nasty bits dish that yeah. uh, I think Chisholm, what's your favorite bite of that, of the three organs that are in there? I'm kind of torn between the gizzard and the liver. I like the flavor of the lizard, but I, I, I like this sort of chewiness of the gizzard. So I, yeah. yeah. It's all good yeah. to me. Yeah, and I rank the liver first, the heart second, yeah. the gizzard third. But the liver, just I like, like buttery, just yeah. melt in your mouth goodness. I, that was just, yeah. oh, it's awesome. So actually, a your... spoonful, a spoonful of yellow fat's pretty darn good just by itself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, what is your favorite uh, turkey recipe? Wild, wild turkey recipe. Um, uh, one of the ones that's in my cookbook that I really love is I love to stuff the breast with, uh, morels and like wild onions or wild leeks or anything we find. Like, cause when I'm turkey hunting, I'll stumble, you know, I may not get a turkey that day, but I'll stumble across a morel patch or something. So I'll be cutting morels and then I'll shoot a turkey the next day and stuff the breast with the morels. Um, and then I, I like using goat cheese as a, as a Ooh. cheese to stuff the breast kind of has like a nice tanginess to it. That yeah. uh, works really well with turkey. Um, so that recipe is in, in my cookbook and that's probably one of my favorite ways to eat uh eat a turkey and then you know using the legs to you know the guys that taught me how to turkey hunt told me oh you can't eat the legs um you know you can classic. make a great yeah classic you know uh old school kind of move but um you know you can definitely cook those legs so that's uh you know a nice little stew or put them in the pressure cooker whatever you do uh mm -hmm. it comes out beautiful so when you when you stuff the turkey breast i guess you make like a lateral incision to open it into a pocket yeah. Yeah. Right? So I, yeah. I, you can either, you can either cut it right and like butterfly it and then roll it and tie it. Um, but what I've been doing a lot lately is I just cut like a kind of a an inch and a half, two inch hole in the back of like the fatty part of the breast and just mm -hmm. insert the knife all the way down and kind of open it up yeah. and then just use my thumb and, and pack all the uh, stuffing in that way. Well, like I said, I've got the cookbook and I've got a, uh, a breast sitting in there by itself. I, oh, awesome. I've got four whole birds plucked yeah. frozen and then the last one nice. or two uh quartered and you know breasted out so uh Barty, awesome. one of those breasts i'll be trying that um cool something to try for a little bit of uh you know further south north american tex-mex uh or mexican style um the meat eater guys the, the original meat eater cookbook they have a pasoli yeah. in there which is like okay. a hominy stew hominies yeah i'm sure you know right i mean it's corn basically like like yeah yield corn um, but yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a basically a Mexican shredded meat stew with hominy and, and the turkey legs. It's a specific oh, cool. turkey leg recipe. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I haven't tried that one yet. So it's super, super simple, man. It's like green salsa, uh, the di canned dice. I mean, what it calls for is basically all just canned and jarred stuff. Salsa, mm -hmm. green chilies, uh, like dice, dice chilies. Um, man, I think you know, like garlic, you brown the legs. There's really, oh, the hominy. 
maybe like one other ingredient. I've I done it a couple the, times. Uh, I skipped the leg browning and it was just as good. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's, but I've, uh, I, I've done it a couple times where I've taken the, um, I've gotten like poblanos and, uh, roasted them on the grill yeah. and used those instead of the canned chilies and, uh, yeah. tomatillos and did the nice. same thing, roasted them. And it definitely oh, cool. takes it to a little bit, you know, no. Another elevates level. it a little bit nice. yeah that stuff's good though cool. everybody i've given it to is like this is the best thing i've ever eaten so nice super easy well awesome. uh you guys you. can follow michael he's at the hunter chef on instagram do you have facebook yeah facebook ever twitter all the same at the hunter chef okay. um the hunter chef.com uh you know i got a couple of hats we sell maple syrup our cookbooks are up there signed uh you know we ship worldwide so uh, the hunter chef.com antler kitchen and bar antler kitchen bar is our social uh handles as well yeah so like lots of great dishes being posted on there if you're a foodie especially if you like the wild game component uh give them a follow as well and then uh let's just go ahead and let the cat out of the bag you're working on a second cookbook so working on a second book um a little more of a direction to uh over the fire is all i'm cool sweet yeah right on well, Michael, thank you so much for the time, brother. It's been great visiting with you. And I, you as well. I, just, I, I hope that the uh, lockdown situation gets lifted and that you guys get your uh, civil liberties back and, and that you can start freaking slinging those great dishes that you're making there at the uh, Handler Kitchen Bar. Awesome, man. Thanks, Cable. Thanks, Chisholm. I really appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, good All to meet right. you, Michael. Take All it right, easy. Guys. Yeah, have a good night. For Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith. Thanks for listening to Justified Pursuit. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>